Leonie Dawson refuses to be categorized in the podcast. And today we are talking my very favorite books of 2020. Look, fuck me, it's my favorite time of the year. Not just because of that whole Christmas thing. That's fine as well. This is something better than that. I get to talk about my favorite books that I read this year. And it's 2021 Go Get a Workbook season, which thrills me. So if you've been around these parts for any length of time, you'll know that this is an annual tradition that I've been doing since 2012. And you can find all my yearly book lists at leonidawson.com forward slash best hyphen books. And as always, this is not a list of the best books published for the year. This is just the books that I read in that year. As they say in High Fidelity, the records are organized autobiographically. Uh, and for a special bonus for you, I'm going to throw in my favorite TV shows and e-courses that I did this year too. Like, do not say that I don't spoil you because I totally do. Now, if you at any point in time want the links for all of these books, all of this is written out over at leonidawson.com forward slash 2020 books. So you can head on over there and all of the books are linked to in there. So, how many books did I read in 2020? Last year really was a record for me. I read over 400 books and I was super excited to make that happen again this year. Um, and I've talked about in previous podcast episodes how I managed to read 400 books in a year. But what happened was we were evacuated from a bushfire and then the rest of Australia was engulfed in a bushfire crisis and then we fell into the new reality of pandemic world and not to mention that whole fucked up American election cycle and all that trauma, anxiety and communal stress contributed to my brain shutting down. It just felt like my brain was exhausted already just from taking in all the new information. And for the first time in my life, I found myself unable to read for months at a time. Instead, all I could really manage was to reread old favorites like a comfort blanket and wait for it to pass. And I'll tell you which ones I reread as well. So all up, I read 130 books this year, nowhere near last year's record, but still a glad effort. In terms of what format I consumed books in, 60% of the books I read were on Kindle, 35% of the books I read were paperbacks, and 5% were Audible audiobooks. I'm still working through my pile of paperbacks that I've had for years and needed to read, and then once I've read them, I either give them to friends or donate them to our local charity. Next year, I'll probably move to even less paperbacks because I really do prefer reading on the Kindle Paperwhite with a built-in backlight now. It's just easier on the eyes and hands for me. And now that I am middle-aged, these things are very important to me. <laughs> uh, in terms of the kinds of books I read, I have been subsisting on a literary diet of business, personal development, social justice, graphic memoirs, and romance for years now. And that really stayed the same this year with no new additions. So that's enough preamble. Let's talk best books. So first up is my nonfiction category. Uh, you should in no way think that these are like numerically numbered in terms of what like, you know, the best is at the last or the best at the start. This is just my pile of favorite books and don't make me choose between them. Uh, first up, The Way Home by Mark Boyle. I loved Mark's previous book, The Moneyless Man, which was about his year living without money. 
And in this book, he takes the experiment further and lives completely with that technology. It's riveting and it's beautiful and it's a little bit heartbreaking too. Next up was Protecting the Gift by Gavin DeBecker. It was an awesome read about protective parenting. It's not a fun read, mind you, but it was a really important one nonetheless, and I really recommend it for parents. I also really liked So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson, which is what happens after you've been cancelled. John interviews a bunch of people who've had it happen to them from tweets getting them fired to having their sex tapes released. It was insightful, touching and sobering. Next up, I loved The Million Dollar One Person Business by Elaine Povelt. Honestly, I just love that one purely to read about other businesses like mine. It's so nice to see my kind of business model getting more and more exposure. I also really loved this hilarious book called Don't Bother by Millie O'Neill. I bought it at my favorite bookstore hangout, which is the River Read here in Noosa, just as something to read over my usual chai tea and lemon coconut slice. I didn't have high expectations. I just needed something slightly amusing. But this one had me full blown public laughing and talking about nonstop for two days straight. And the next time I was in there, I totally marched up to the counter. I told the owner to feature under a spotlight because it was so stupidly funny. And there was this really elderly woman in there and she overheard me and she decided to buy it purely off my loud proclamation. I've got no idea what she thought of it. There is a shit ton of swearing in it and stupidly savage sarcasm, but I could only hope it was as bright a spark in her days as it was in mine. <laughs> uh, Fuck No by Sarah Knight, another book read that I bought at River Read just to read over chai tea and lemon coconut slice, and it ended up being pretty brilliant. It's an excellent playbook for people pleasers who can't say no to shit as kind of like a step-by-step -step boundaries guide which is warm and amusing all at once. I also adored The Wild Silence by Raina Wynn. I was thrilled to see Raina had a new book out. Her previous book The Salt Path was so incredible and evocative and I was slightly bummed that there wasn't more hiking in it which The Salt Path centers around but honestly I'll read anything that Raina writes because she's got such a rare way with words and with living. I also really enjoyed a book called da, 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 COVID-19 by Dr. Michael Mosley. It felt really good to read a book about COVID when we heard so much conflicting information from so many sources. I liked how it drew on the medical research and data available at that point. And it was a great re relief to read. The virus no longer felt like this great unknown anymore. And I've already talked about this a fuck ton, but just to reiterate, I am not a COVID denier. I did not fall down a rabbit hole of watching YouTube documentaries I like say that with so much sarcasm they're not fucking documentaries and I didn't accidentally become a Nazi right-wing conspiracy theorist this year I stand on the side of science and data and public health and not being a motherfucking Nazi if you'd like to hear more about this listen to my Nazi episode <laughs> uh, I also really liked the book keep going by Austin Cleon and I loved it so much that I'd made a poster of his creative rules just to remind me of them. And you can find that if you just Google Leonie Dawson, Austin Cleon poster, you'll find it there. Or if you go over to leoniedawson.com forward slash 2020 books, all the links are there as well. Now, the next book, I 
felt like a little bit ick about including it in here but I'm doing this for like kind of historical purposes for my own reading list and I didn't link to it. So it's The Millionaire Book Club by Grant Cardone. It was a really good short read on money and investing. But I feel ick about uh, including it because I ordered some more books from his website after reading it and then it arrived in his own branded box which the cash, with the catchphrase, ain't no virus gonna stop us. And it totally felt like it was straying into MHEA territory for me. And woof, I'm really still not sure about that. So if you don't like MAGA stuff, run away. I don't really like MAGA stuff. I don't like MAGA stuff at all. It just, I don't know. I don't know if he's MAGA or not, but that just felt like a very MAGA kind of branding. Anyway, rolling straight along. Shit Towns of Australia by Rick Furphy and Jeff Rissole. This is obviously something completely different. This one had me laughing myself stupid while Chris valiantly tried to sleep beside me. It's a travel guide to Australian towns, but instead of pointing out the highlight, it so savagely reveals the lowlights. It is so great. You can wet your taste buds over on their Facebook page, Shit Towns of Australia, and see if it strikes your funny bone. It totally struck mine. Next up in the category of graphic novels, I loved New Kid by Jerry, Gra Jerry Craft, which is a great memoir about an African-American kid navigating a new school. It really beautifully illustrates how racism impacts black, indigenous and people of color on a daily basis in a series of microaggressions. And it's also just a really beautiful memoir of being a creative kid and finding your place in the world. And as soon as I finished it, I handed it to my 10 year old, which she immediately devoured as well. And you know, it's a great book when you can do that. I then fell head over heels in love with the Heartstopper series, volume one, two, and three by Alice Osman. How do I even begin to talk about this adorable comic? It's the fictional love story of two teenage boys. It's heart opening and utterly adorable. I am full on, full on fangirling over it and I cannot wait for volume four. Also, Anne of Green Gables, a graphic novel. Buckle up guys, because I'm gonna say something which could be completely controversial. This graphic novel is hands down the best way that I have ever consumed Anne of Green Gables. I know, I know, but it was better than the original book. It's better than the TV series. And I know, I know it's hard to beat those, but holy fuck, that graphic novel is beautiful. The images are stunning. It is evocative as fuck. It's a romantic whirlwind to read that book. And I felt like I disappeared into another place as I read it. Plus, look, all I'm saying is having more formats of Anne with an E is got to be not a bad thing for the world, right? Next up, uh, The Best We Could Do by Ty Bui. It was one of Bill Gates' best reads from a year or two ago, so I bought it for my husband as a gift then. And seeing as it's a graphic memoir, aka my favorite book genre of all time, I read it before he did. <laughs> It's the beautifully rendered true story of a refugee family and it felt startling to experience the Vietnam War through this book and I really can't recommend it enough. Also, if you happen to think that Bill Gates is a lizard pedophile hellbound on microchipping the world with vaccines, you were totally in the wrong place, babes. Nazi conspiracy theories are not my jam. 
I've said this before and I'll say it again. My ancestors died fighting against the Nazi regime, so I'm not going to dishonor their memory by watching a few YouTube documentaries during quarantine and accidentally falling down an alt-wing right-wing conspiracy hole. I'm just not. It's not in me. I can't and I won't. Now for a different change of pace. I also really loved Go to Sleep, I Miss You by Lucy Nisley, which is cartoons from the fog of new parenthood. I love every book written by Lucy Nisley ever, but this one was stunningly good and it's the perfect gift for new mamas. There's one cartoon where she does and she draws herself as a skeleton holding the baby. Um, And it's kind of like this cartoon of like, this is how depleted I feel. And I felt that. I felt that in my core. I absolutely remember moments feeling like that. I did, I didn't fall down the Nazi conspiracy theory rabbit hole this year, but I fell down a Debbie Tongue rabbit hole this year. And that's the only kind of 2020 rabbit hole I will fall down. And I fell madly in love with her. So she's written books like Book Love, Quiet Girl in a Noisy World, and Happily Ever After, and All of them are glorious and wonderful and I highly, highly recommend them for sensitive people, for people on the autistic spectrum, for introverts and book nerds. It is like our fucking life in colour. Well, in beautifully rendered black and white. (laughs) Uh, I did not read the original book of The Life-Changing Magic of uh, Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. But I did read the graphic novel version this year, which is called, drumroll please, The The Life-Changing Manga of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. So give me a graphic novel version of anything and I am gimme, gimme, gimme. It was great. And I hereby suggest that all books should have a graphic novel version of them for those of us who read even better with pictures. It was delicious. I also loved Lord Birthdays, How to Appear Normal at Social Events. It was another present that I bought for Chris and promptly consumed, chortling loudly as I did so. It was so very, very silly and very, very wonderful and very, very random. It's kind of like Dali comedy. It's very surreal and hilarious. I also loved Dear Scarlet, the story of my postpartum depression by Teresa Wong. And all I could just think was like, me too, boo. Me too. I also loved I Will Judge You by Your Bookshelf by Grant Snyder. Because a graphic novel about books, you say? How very meta and right up my alley. Mama Tried by Emily Flake was also awesome. Another glorious graphic novel for for mums. And I love that our stories are being told like this in these new formats. Speaking of which, I also loved The Amazing True Story of a Teenage Single Mum by Catherine Arnoldi. As it says on the box, it's The Amazing True Story of a Teen Single Mum. (laughs) And honestly, I just appreciated how much more empathy it gave me for teen parents who don't have any support and the sheer grit and courage that they need in order to get through life and rear their kids and all that stuff. And last in this category, I adored Making Comics by Linda Barry. I loved the wonky, wild drawings in this book. And it's kind of like taking a class on creativity with the most irreverent teacher that you can dream up. It was delicious. 
Now, next up category is social justice. Now, there's two books that I read both of them back to back in one weekend. So they're kind of superimposed together in my mind. And one's called The Real Cost of Prisons Comics. And the other one is called Race to Incarcerate. And you can find them over at leonidawson.com forward slash 2020 books. Um, and they're really, both of them are just a horrifying and grim graphic analysis of the prison industrial complex in the US and how thoroughly racist it is. And after reading this, like my dad called good old Wild Bushman and I spent a good amount of time just ranting to him about this. I mean, that's on him for choosing a big old lefty hippie as his daughter, quite frankly. And I will say I am, I couldn't be more proud of my dad for not being a fucking Trump head. Like, I'm so grateful to him. And in his own eloquent words, he says that Trump, he's a fucking insane bastard. He is, he's off his fucking head. So if you ever need a motivational quote for your t-shirt, feel free to quote my dad, the wild Bushman. He's a fucking insane bastard. He is, he's off his fucking head. <laughs> okay. Gender, a graphic guide by Mag John Barker and Jules Scheel. I adore their first book, which was Queer, a graphic history. And so I was really thrilled to this one. It was like taking university course on gender, but with, you know, like pictures. Yay! <laughs> and I'm really thrilled to hear they also have a graphic guide to sexuality coming out soon too. They just bring these concepts to life so brilliantly. And some of these books are graphic novels. Um, as well. So they kind of fit in the graphic novel category, but then they're also social justice. So whatever, you can deal. Um, I also adored Beyond the Gender Binary by Alok Fade Menon, and that's by the Pocket Change Collective. And they're little guides and they're concise and thoughtful essays on important topics. And I totally squealed with excitement when I saw that Chella Man has one coming out soon too. I fucking love Chella Man. Find Chella Man on Instagram. Uh, Good Talk by Mira Jacob. Holy shit, that was great. A graphic memoir of conversations about race. Highly, highly fucking recommend. Heavy by Kiese Lehmann. That, mate, that book is, that bloke is a really fucking good writer. Let's all say, that bloke is a fucking really good writer. Can you imagine if I was like a professional Amazon reviewer? Mate, that bloke, real fucking good writer, eh? But like, he's so good that I'd find myself kind of holding my breath as I read his words. And it's all about race and weight and family and all the hard things in life. And it's sort of just indelibly, indelibly prints upon you. I also read Geisha in Adventures in the Queer East by Benjamin Law. And it's a hilarious and touching and at times sobering journey through LGBTQIA plus communities in Asia. Kind of like a travel documentary in a book. I don't know. It's brilliant. And I'm immediately going to read all of his books now because he is scrumptious. I also really loved A Quick and Easy Guide to They Them Pronouns by Archie Bongiovanni and Tristan Jimison. It's a short graphic introduction to the They Them Pronouns, so it's perfect if you know someone who's using They Them Pronouns or if you just like to understand non-binary pronouns. Now, next up, romance category, romance category. Uh, Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. And let's face it, all of her books and by 
all of her books, I mean all of her books. I read every fucking last one of them this year. I just consumed them whole like a python, just swallowing a wallaby. Just, I'm going to take it all in. My complete favorite part is how intersectional these romance books are. There's people of color in them, people with disabilities, neurotypical brains in love, and they even represent different kinds of sexualities as well. And it's just delicious. And plus, they are hot as fuck. (laughs) Uh, Another chick I totally read out this year was Kate Claiborne. She wrote Love Lettering, which is what I started with, and then I read through her Chance of a Lifetime trilogy too. They're really sweet and very beautifully written. The Two Lives of Lydia Bird by Josie Silver. It was a bit more heart-wrenching than I usually go for because I don't like any sad in my books, but this one was just too beautiful to resist and it was hopeful enough to keep me going. So, yay! Uh, Party of Two by Jasmine Guillory. Jasmine's books are always scrumptious. I've read all of them and pre-ordered her next one. So if you haven't got some Jasmine in your life, you need to get some Jasmine in your life pronto. Then I loved Waiting for Tom Hanks and the companion book Not Like the Movies. And both of them are by Kerry Winfrey. She's another new literary love affair for me this year. These books are fucking cute they're kind of based around movies and writing and it's I don't know she kind of reminds reminds me a little bit of Nora Ephron she's she's fucking great I adored it The Cactus by Sarah Haywood if you're into Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine this one had a, a pretty similar energy and then last of all was Love in Row 27 by Ithne Short Shortle Oh, I think that's a Scottish or Irish name, so I've probably messed it up. Eithne. If it's written Eithne, it'll probably be like, Ishala. (laughs) I don't know how to speak Irish. Anyway, it was the first romance book that I read in 2020, and it was sweet. In terms of rereading, when I went through my can't read any new books phase because I have pandemic brain, these were the authors that I reread. Tessa Dare, Christina Lauren, and Beth O'Leary, particularly her book, The Flat Share. I just love that fucking book. So while we're at it, here's my favorite online courses I did for the year. If you're looking for the links for them, again, leonidawson.com forward slash 2020 books. I loved Katie Chappell's Bullet Journal Gang, Erica Hart's Gender 101, Erica Hart's Racism and Social Justice 101, Flourishing and Stressful Times with Tara Brach, Rachel Cargill's Unpacking White Feminism Lecture, Annie Leibovitz's Photography Masterclass, and Louise O'Reilly's Introduction to Culturally Inclusive Language. And I really appreciated Louise, particularly because she is an Australian Aboriginal woman talking about um, racial justice through an Australian and an Australian Aboriginal lens, which is really important. Uh, Favourite TV shows of the year. There wasn't any movies that I adored this year, but... The three that I absolutely hands down fucking adored was Alone. I've ranted about Alone before. If you haven't heard me rant about Alone, dear Lord, listen to every other podcast. (laughs) It's basically this reality TV show and usually I'm not into that kind of thing, but they like put people by themselves um, in like 10 different spots in a remote, remote location and then whoever lasts the longest, like 
they win the money but it's this process of like they have to learn how to like live off the land by themselves and it's psychological and it's like physical and it's just so touching in so many ways and holy crap I just love it and I'm so glad that I've got so many more seasons to binge through yet (laughs) I also really loved Long Way Up which is the third in a trilogy of reality um, of this kind of like reality documentary of Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor um, going on long bike 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 rides around the world and they did a long way round the first time and they went like across the top of Europe and then through Russia and then over the top of the US and down and then they did long way down which was them going from England all the way down to Africa Um, and then that was like 15 years ago that they did those and me and Chris fucking loved them. Like they were just some of our very favorite TV. Um, anyway, they decided to come back and do it again and do Long Way Up where, where they rode from the bottom of South America all the way up to North America uh, on bikes. But this time they did it on electric motorbikes and their support vehicles were electric as well. And it's revolutionary and it's just beautiful honestly just so beautiful and inspiring and I also like the rest of the world loved Ted Lasso this year fucking adorable I'm so into it and that's it really I'm still a massive fan of my own books I made the goal get a workbooks for me 11 years ago so why wouldn't I be I still use them every single year to plan out my big goals and dreams from the year and make them happen and I usually start mine on Boxing Day and my fingers are really itching to get started this year and just a reminder if you want the 2021 goal getter planners like 400,000 people around the world have used them to transform their lives and businesses. They are only available until January 15. So make sure you order before then. If you email me on January 16 saying, oh, I forgot. We'll say, the printers are off, man. We gave you a month's notice. Just fucking buy now. <laughs> buy now before you forget. So you can find that at goalgetterbooks.com. And I also wrote my first erotic romance novella this year. If you want to find out about it, it's leonidawson.com forward slash salt. It's salt and erotic romance novella um, written under my pen name, Lola Lee. And I think I've read it about a dozen times this, since then. I just can't get enough. It's on my Kindle like any other book. And honestly, I just make shit that I'm going to love for me. And anybody else who loves them is just a bonus. So if you want to check those out, do that. So it's really been a big, beautiful year of reading and I can't wait for next year. I've already got my Kindle loaded up, chock full of books. And I hope these books and these words nourish and inspire you. So in big bookworm love, I love you all. And may we do less scrolling and more reading because that's better for our brains and our hearts and our souls. Yeah. Bye.